The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. It is Rivalry Wednesday around here, which means uh, we'll be talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer at 2.30, and Austin Hannon of Bama Central with the, uh, that's the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. We'll be talking to him at 3.30 on the show today. So really excited for that. Always good to catch up with those two guys after uh, both of their teams had big wins this past weekend in college football. So we'll talk to those guys here on Rivalry Wednesday. We've got some Auburn basketball to talk about, some college football playoff rankings to talk about, and we're also going to have Auburn's head volleyball coach Brent Crouch join us on the show today, as well as they have the game of the season tonight at Neville Arena as the top 25 ranked Auburn Tigers hosting the number one team in the SEC, top ranked or top 15 ranked Kentucky Wildcats in SEC volleyball action tonight. So be sure you get out there for that 630 they're trying to break the all-time attendance record uh, for Auburn volleyball so if you're looking for something to do on a Wednesday night get over to Neville Arena I'll be there I'll be uh, there and um, and taking it all in should be a high fast paced level game uh, tonight in a match between Auburn volleyball and Kentucky so we'll talk to head coach Brent Crouch coming up in hour number two as well but hope you're doing well another great day in Auburn Alabama as we get closer to the weekend of course Auburn and Arkansas this weekend in football Uh, that'll be on Saturday so we're going to talk about all of that here on the show today Uh, but as always phone lines are open give me a call what's on your mind how are you feeling on a Wednesday afternoon 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 want to talk Auburn basketball from last night we're going to get into that in just a second Auburn football if you want to Um, college football playoff rankings whatever's on your mind give me a call and let's have some fun 334-321-1390 Well, Auburn basketball played last night, their season opener against Baylor out in South Dakota, and in a winnable game, they lost 88-82, and Baylor, a top 20 team, ranked number 20 so far this season. Auburn was unranked to start the year. Um, Lots of good things to talk about, and also uh, some not-so-good things to to talk about, and so uh, we can get into all of that on, on the show today, and we will. Just my initial reaction before we get to the phone lines. Auburn could have won and should have won this game. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. That's a game that Auburn should have won. I'm not going to say you needed to win. It's the first game of the year, and we're going to get into all of that. But borderline, 
Auburn should have won the basketball game last night. 334-321-1390. Jones, you're on the line to start off on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. James, my apologies. James, my bad. You're on the line. How you doing, bud? Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Hey, I've got two uh, two topics, and I'll be quick, and I'll, I ain't got much to talk. Okay. First question or first topic, you know, what's your take on Holden Garner being moved in number two quarterback behind uh, Peyton Thorne? Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, I wonder, is his performance in practice, you know, uh, initiated that, or do you think it could be on the opposite side of the coin? Uh, Robbie Ashford's attitude may have dipped below the Mendoza line because he didn't get to play. Um, but only two snaps against Mississippi State, and plus he played no snaps against Vanderbilt. Yeah, uh, I, I think for me personally, I think it really is a combination of both, to be really, really honest with you. Just from uh, from things that Hugh Freeze has said about Holden and his practice, I believe he said last week was his best practice uh, that he's had right. since he's been at Auburn. And I think we, we all can see that the the potential is there with Holden Gurner, and he, he continues to say he's the best thrower in the room. And I say that too from the things that I've seen in practice. And so um, I think the potential is there. And and I think he's a, a young, hungry, eager guy to learn and get better at the quarterback position. And so I think he has probably earned that. But I do also think that it it is part of, with Robbie, maybe some frustration there and not getting the, the playing time that he wanted and maybe not getting as many of those packages as he was wanting and Hugh Freeze talked about early on. And, and, and I think some of that has to do with Peyton Thorne stepping up a little bit as well. So um, not to be that way, but I, I am going to say it's a little bit of both. I got you. My, I feel the same way. Second topic is the uh, CFP football rankings from last last night. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to complain. You know, I'm an Auburn fan, so, you know, Auburn's not in the hunt. But, you know, you sit back and you listen to the folks across the state. You know, they're always whining and complaining because they didn't move up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it could be any team. It ain't got to be them. It could be anybody just sitting on the outside looking in. The bottom line is, Win your ball games. That's you know? right. Yeah. Win your games and let that take care of itself. I mean, but if you want to beg, get a ten cup. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And that's the thing, and we'll talk about the rankings coming up in a little bit, but when you look at the top in the top ten, not a whole lot changed from last week to this week. There were some big games, but the top teams won, right? Ohio State won, Georgia won. I mean, everybody at the top won their games. And so you can't really change a whole lot, in my opinion, if nobody really loses. And, again, Alabama won, right? So there's – there, you can't move a whole lot of stuff if, if people are still winning their games. That's right. Like I said, everybody, you know, is looking for that. Well, you know, our strength of schedule. You know, look mm-hmm. how you know how much our margin of victory. I mean, the bottom line is, if you hadn't lost the game, you'd be right there in the hunt. But you know, the folk, the teams who are one loss, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Yeah. So I think you know, it's their fair. destiny. Uh, their destiny is dependent upon the teams ahead of them losing. Yeah. And a lot of them may not lose. That's right. That's right. All right, buddy. Hey, I appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you calling in, man. Thanks for listening and calling in as well. 334-321-1390. A couple of things there, and I know we've got Spectre on the line. We're going to get to him in just a second. Um, Yeah, when it comes to the quarterback situation, I think – uh, that you know, we all saw the the updates that Holden Gurner was moved up to uh, to that second spot. There is a back.
backup for for Peyton Thorne and I think it's more on the on the side of I think he's just getting better I think he's improving I think he's impressing coaches and and folks in the room and and in the building there for Auburn football and and look I think he's going to be really really good and if he is going to be competing to be the quarterback of the future which I think he will be competing for that unlike Robbie I just don't think that's going to be a situation whether it be Robbie move to a different position or move to a different school or whatever the case may be I just don't see Robbie Ashford being in competition to be the quarterback of the future at Auburn and here in the month of November maybe the coaches are seeing that too heck maybe Robbie saw that maybe Robbie had something to do with it I I mean I've talked to some people but overall it just seems like this was the trend that it was going. I was sort of surprised to see it, but again, I just think Holden Gurner's playing really well, and I think he's improving, and I think he's got a lot of potential and upside in that quarterback room. To comment on the college football playoff thing really quickly, because I'm going to talk about this later on, when teams don't lose, you can't move a whole lot, right? I know Oklahoma lost, But they were already a one-loss team, right? They let Oklahoma State beat them. But Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington, they're all still undefeated. And as our caller was just saying, the teams that are one-loss, like Oregon and Texas and Alabama, even Ole Miss, Penn State, Louisville, yeah, you are hoping something happens to the teams in front of you. Now, you have some more games this weekend, right? Georgia Ole Miss played this weekend. Michigan Penn State played this weekend. Those are two massive games that impact the college football playoff, but teams can't complain that they're not getting votes or moving up if the ones ahead of them are not losing games. 334-321-1390. Inspector, you're on the line, man. What's up? Well, uh, I'm going to piggyback on this this quarterback situation. Okay. You know, you know how I was with Robbie Ashford. Mm-hmm. I saw him play last year. I saw him play with an awful offensive line. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just hoping the kid would have got over his he, – he was really a hothead last year. And I thought some, you know, a little age and a little more experience would, would calm that down. But he's still got a temper of such. And, of course, I mean, you don't get your way, you know, that seems to come out more. But, uh, yeah, between him and Holden, I told you they, they're both four-star quarterbacks with good resumes, and I just wanted them to have a chance. And with Freeze coming in here with a reputation that he had as a, a developer, I was just hoping that Robbie could develop into a better quarterback. It seems like Holden is. So uh, with that being said, you know, all the best to, uh, to Robbie, but, um, you know, I, I did all I could. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I get it. And I'm with you, man. I get it. And, and, you know, we'll see where this goes in the next couple of weeks as the season ends and then as this team gets into the offseason. But, um, yeah, it just, I don't know, man. It just never, it never got to the point that it needed to get to with Robbie and his improvement and then the guys around him improving to give him a better chance to be better, right? It just, none of that all came together, it seemed like, in what's been a crazy couple of years in the Robbie Ashford era. Well, I'll move on to basketball. You know, uh, the guys did a good job last night, to mm-hmm. tell you the truth. But, but it, it seems like something has came over from last year. seems like the last four to two minutes, we just die. 
and if something happens in that last four minutes of the game, we scored one basket in four minutes, and that's what's got to change. Everything else in the game was excellent. I didn't see anything wrong with anything else in the game except for the last four minutes. And um, I'm sure Pearl's going to work on that and find out what's we just did we run out of gas? Did we just lose our concentration or what happened? Right. Right. No, that, that that has to change. I mean, there's no doubt. you got to be able to close out basketball games against good teams like Baylor because, you know, there were a lot of people saying that is a, that's a Sweet 16 type of game that Auburn just played in last night. I know it's the very first game of the year, but that's a type of matchup that you could see in the round of 32 or in the Sweet 16, and Auburn played really well for about 35 minutes, Spectre. You know that. And then, yeah, the last little bit, they just couldn't get it done. Absolutely right. Anyway, that's all I got for today, buddy. Appreciate the call, Spectre. 334-321-1390. Yeah, as we talk a little bit more basketball from last night, Auburn loses to Baylor 88-82. to Would love to get your thoughts on it. 334-321-1390. I know you've got them. I saw them all over Twitter last night and watching some shows and different things. Um, here's the thing, man. Auburn played a heck of a lot better than I thought they were going to. I'll just give you, I'll just be honest with you. They played a lot better than I thought they were going to. And they looked better. They played better offensively. They looked a lot better defensively than I was expecting, especially because Bruce Pearl, and maybe he influenced me a little bit, but he kept saying the struggle is going to be on the defensive side of the floor. He said they were going to struggle on defense to start the year. And I know that Auburn gave up 88 points, but only gave up 34 in the first half. Only gave up 34 points to a top 20 team in the first half of play. Then you give up 54 in the second half. You give up 20 more points in the second half than you do the first. And so for the defense to play as well as it did and the offense to play as well as it did, and don't you worry, I'm going to get into those individual performances in just a second. But Auburn played good enough to win last night. And like Spectre was just saying, and we're going to get into it, Auburn should have won the game last night. They should have won. Now, I mean, I'm just telling you, they should have won. They were the better team. They played better basketball for about 35 minutes out of the 40. And they should have won the game. Now, give all the credit in the world to that Baylor team who never gave up. They never quit. And they were always hanging around, even when Auburn went on their run, right? You could always feel that Baylor wasn't truly out of it. There was a really key point where Auburn could have taken over and pulled away by 15 or 20 and won this game pretty easily, but they let a good team hang around. And I'm not saying that Auburn completely let them. I think Baylor deserves a ton of credit for being as good as they are. But Auburn had a chance to win, and they should have won this game last night. Because as I just said, this was an NCAA tournament type of game. And if Auburn plays and beats a team for 35 minutes, but they're still only up by five or six points, teams are going to come back and beat you. They just are. They're going to come back and beat you in the NCAA tournament. And again, it's early November, right? We have a lot of time to worry about that. But you got to find ways to close out games if you're Auburn. 88-82, Baylor defeats Auburn in the season opener out in South Dakota. Really cool venue, really cool environment, really cool experience as well. Um, 
is a really unique thing for Auburn to be able to go out and do. And uh, Bruce Pearl had some good comments about it. I know he was excited to go. I know he had some comments afterwards as well. And so um, we'll talk a lot more about Baylor and Auburn when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about it as well. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Looks like Michaela's going to answer the phone. We'll get to the phone lines in just a second. Talking Auburn basketball in their season opener as they drop it to the Baylor Bears by six. Uh, just looking at their performance. And again, we're going to get to the phone lines in just a second. And reminder, coming up at 2.30, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Our Georgia beat writer will join us for Rivalry Wednesday. We'll get all the rundown on Georgia basketball and Georgia football as well. And so let's go ahead and get back to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. And I believe Jones is on the line. Jones, what's up? What's happening, Jacob? What's on your mind, man? Jacob, real quick. I'm thinking I'm probably going to be totally uh, seeing things differently than all the other Auburn fans. We rave about Janiah Broom Mm -hmm. constantly going to be Mr. All-SEC this year, but what bothers me the most is two things. He can't stop anybody without fouling, and fouling out cannot be done this year by him, but he also complains about every single call. Now, if I'm an official, which I was years ago, you're not going to let that guy constantly complain about everything without you putting a mark on his back. Mm -hmm. If he would play professionally, meaning emotionally professional, and make make his game work for him. If he gets a foul call, go down to the other end and do it. But stop whining. That's very unimpressive, and it's not going to get you any wins. That's, That's a, all I got to say. Yeah, appreciate the call, Jones. That's a that's an interesting perspective and a take that that I haven't really heard a whole lot about. And with Janai. You know, you look at his numbers from last night, shot four of 10 from the field, had 16 points. He did have a double-double with 11 rebounds. Uh, He did foul out, and you're absolutely right about that. Auburn cannot afford to have him foul out this year in games. They can't, especially down the stretch. And shout out to Dylan Cardwell, who the stats aren't going to blow you away. He had some some good ones, though. Five blocks, four assists. That'll, That'll get it done for Dylan Cardwell off the bench, but you can't expect him to come in and and keep the same pressure and the same threat that Janai Broom does, right? So Auburn cannot afford Janai to foul out. You're absolutely right. When it comes to attitude and, and complaining about calls and stuff like that, you're right. And that's not just for Janai. That's for everybody. There, Auburn had a couple problems with that last night. You got to let things go. I think KD may have gotten almost gotten in trouble. There was an official that really let him uh, let him jaw at him for a minute. But Auburn has to find ways to not worry about those things. I know it bothers you and it gets to you and it's frustrating in the moment. But for a guy like Janai Broom that's trying to go play at the next level, at the highest level, you can't do that. I know guys like LeBron James get away with it, but he's a little bit different story. Janai Broom has to find a way to play his game. And I like how Jones said that. Almost like a, like a golf club, right? You don't have to swing the driver 100 miles an hour. The driver's going to get it down there for you. Same thing with your 8-iron. Let the club do the work, right? 
Same thing with Janai Broom in his game. Man, if he just plays his style and plays his game and gets comfortable and allows his his skill set and just his, his game to take over, it will be good. It will do good things for him. It'll lead to good things for Auburn. He had 16 points and 11 rebounds, and he hit two threes. How about that? Two for three behind the arc for Janai Broom. Um, I don't... I don't expect that to be the case all season long. I really don't think that Janai Broom will shoot over 66% this season. But all he has to do is make one. If Janai Broom can just make one three a game, if he goes one of three, one of four, that's just enough for the defense to have to respect him. It's just enough of a threat that if he steps behind the three-point line, whoever their center that's guarding him has to come out and guard Janai Broom one-on-one. He can either pop it and maybe hit it, maybe not. Or what I would like to see is Janai Broom put it on the floor and get to the rack and get fouled, where then you have to make your free throws. He was 6 of 10 from the free throw line last night. you got to make your free throws as a big man. I know it's tough, and I know that's not their, I know that's not their, their leading quality by any means. But those are the things that have to happen for Janai. I said this last year and I'll say it again. He is a walking double-double and he should be. And he started off that way last night. I'm good with the points. I'm good with the rebounds. I'd like to see a couple of assists as well. And as I was saying, if he's out on the three-point line and let's say that center comes out and closes too hard, Janai can put it on the floor and then he's the facilitator, right? He's almost acting as your point guard, which is kind of crazy, I know. But he can either go to the rack, put it in, dunk it, get fouled, whatever. Or at that point, when he starts getting into the lane because his defender's five feet behind him, more than likely to stop him, the defense is going to collapse in the paint. And then, then we get to see what Janai Broom can do as a passer to facilitate out to the corner or out to the wing and get it to a guy, one of your guards like Aiden Holloway who had an unbelievable debut for Auburn last night. Can we talk about that kid for a second? Aiden Holloway is a superstar already. And I told you that I've been telling you that Aiden Holloway is going to be one of the best freshmen in all of college basketball. Had 19 points last night and 27 minutes off the bench. He wasn't your starter, but he played more minutes than anybody. Played the most minutes for Auburn last night at 27. 6 of 15 from the floor, 4 of 8 from downtown. We'll take that. 3 of 5 from the free throw line. I want to see that be a hair better. I want to see you get there more and make them more. Had 3 rebounds, 6 assists. 3 turnovers is not cool, but it's still a 2 to 1 assist to turnover ratio, which is perfect to be a successful point guard in my opinion. That is the number one number that I look at when rating a point guard and their efficiency is the two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. And he had it last night. And no fouls. In a game that was heavily influenced by officiating last night, both ways, it was just ugly basketball to watch at times. Aiden Holloway played the most minutes and had no fouls. And he also was your leading scorer for Auburn in his first ever collegiate basketball game. Aiden Holloway is a superstar and he's only going to get better. But I still believe that there will be times, there will be games with Aiden Holloway 
where we remind ourselves and get reminded that he is a freshman. He's going to have some freshman moments. But if he plays like he did last night, oh my goodness. Auburn's going to be a dangerous team. Can they rely on him to be the leading scorer every night? No. I liked what I saw from Denver Jones. I'd like to see the shooting numbers a little bit better, 4 of 10 from the field. But 3 of 5 from deep, that's great. So think about that. And what will be your starting one and two guards and Aiden Holloway and Trey and uh, Denver Jones, you went 7 of 13 from deep. That's awesome. 7 of 13, That's all. I mean, that's over 50%. And your one and two guards, that is... More than what, more than better than what you could ask for there. Really like Denver Jones, had 13 points. He's going to be your starting two. All the other stats, nothing crazy. Trey Donaldson did his job as your starter. He played 13 minutes. He technically started and then was coming off the bench for the rest of the time. Jayla Williams and Chris Moore, they were there. Didn't do a whole lot, but they were there. At least Jayla Williams rebounded the basketball. Those guys have to be more aggressive. Loved what I saw from Dylan Cardwell. I think Chaney Johnson and Chad Baker-Mazzara are going to be effective as well. And I love KD, man. He's just so high energy off the bench. But Auburn should have won the game last night. Plain and simple, bottom line. Auburn should have won. They're going to be fine. But that's a tough pill to swallow. That's a tough loss to take in the first game. When we come back, we'll take a break from Auburn, talk about the Georgia Bulldogs on Rivalry Wednesday with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Don't go anywhere. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. We appreciate them being our studio sponsor each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7. And it is Wednesday at 2.30, which means Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our weekly Georgia beat writer, joining us on the phone lines. Jordan, great to hear from you, man. Crossover season. We are in full swing it right now sir yeah we're in the thick of it jacob and uh, plenty to talk about on both fronts with football and men's basketball georgia hoops getting the thing underway and uh, georgia football with some pretty big ba- uh, pretty big games still coming up on the schedule yeah well let's start uh, let's start talking about basketball since the season just got underway uh, i know we've got some some we've had recruiting news to talk about the past couple of weeks and and want to get to to that and of course the first game of the year for the georgia bulldogs and head coach mike white they took on oregon out in las vegas and they dropped the season opener 82 to 71 to the ducks what did you see in this game from georgia uh, in the season opener jordan You know, I think it was a pretty disappointing performance. Really lacked offensive consistency. Came out of the gates, just did not shoot the ball well. And it was sort of strange. There were spurts where it seemed like, okay, Oregon's about to run away with this. They get up 15, 16 points. And Georgia cuts in the lead, gets it to eight, seven, six points, and just couldn't really sustain it. Happened the first half with R.J. Melendez really kind of leading the charge along with Jabri Abdurrahim. Second half, it was Justin Hill and R.J. Melendez kind of cutting into the Oregon lead. But 
Yeah, just didn't shoot the ball very well. Uh, got out rebounded uh, by a significant margin. Gave up 63 rebounds uh, for Oregon in that game. Neither team really shot all that well, but um, Georgia just didn't have an answer, especially around the rim. They're going to have to figure out uh, how to get more out of their bigs. They just uh, kind of got pushed around in that game. Oregon is a really good team. I thought Georgia would have a chance in this game, mainly because Oregon came into it pretty beat up. Um, but a pretty disappointing performance from Georgia, but they got to turn around quickly. Uh, they play Wake Forest on Friday night in Stegman Coliseum. Can't let that Oregon game linger long, or they're going to turn around and find themselves sitting at 0-2. Well, it just seemed like the, the slow start and the slow first half is what, what set Georgia back. They got outscored by 10 in the first half against Oregon and played them within a point in the second half. And so, you know, if you avoid that and if you avoid the 10-point deficit at the half, I mean, Georgia would have been right there at the end, Jordan. Definitely. And it was just a situation, too. You, you do have to acknowledge it was the first game. You got nine right. new players on this team. But, you know, it's a situation where you can say it's very similar on the other side, you know, especially the state of college basketball right now. You know, there's so much roster turn- turnover year after year. So uh, I don't think anyone on the team would, you know, lie and say that that was not disappointing. I think that they had high hopes to go out to Las Vegas and come out with a win. Um, but there was definitely some positives to take from it. I thought that the freshman Blue Kane and Silas Emery Jr. played really well. Uh, there were definitely some bright spots. They've just certainly got to play more consistently, and they got to clean it up fast because they got a pretty tough non-conference schedule ahead of them. Yeah, they do. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Of course, Oregon. Uh, you mentioned Wake Forest coming up on Friday. Miami. Winthrop, who is a, a pretty consistent threat to make the NCAA tournament. Florida State. Georgia Tech. I mean, there are some really, really tough non-conference games, but I think for a young Georgia team that's trying to figure it out, um, I think those could, while they may not end up in wins, um, I think Georgia has a big chance to find out who they are in these first couple of weeks. Definitely, and obviously they want to go in and win those games, but at the very least you need to get a good feel for what you have and how you can attack these teams because this is going to be a very tough slate in non-conference, but we know it's going to get turned up a notch or two when you get to SEC play. I mean, just looking at the conference, it's very hard to find more than maybe one team that you think, okay, this team is not going to contend. I mean, it's a very deep conference once again. So, yeah, I mean, they need to make the most of these non-conference games. Even aside from winning and losing, they they definitely need to get a good feel for what's the most effective lineup, who are their five guys, and even deciding what the rotation looks like coming off the bench. Uh, They need to make the most, really, of this next month. Trying to hone in on what this team can be and try to be ready by the time you get to January 6th when they open the SEC play against Missouri. Georgia basketball losing to Oregon in their season opener. They've got Wake Forest on Friday in a team that I think is going to start getting good. And in the next couple of years, if recruiting continues to go that the way that it is, Jordan, um, this Georgia team is going to be right back in the thick of it in SEC basketball. As we flip to Georgia football, coming off of a huge week for the Dogs, and I have another one coming up that we're going to get to uh, it was the the game of the year in the SEC East and one of the biggest games of the year so far in the SEC as a whole when Georgia football hosted Missouri last week and a game that was close the entire way and Georgia pulled away late with 30-21, to 21, the win over Missouri in a game that 
very well could decide the SEC East. Uh, Jordan, what'd you see out of this game and just your full breakdown of Georgia's win over Missouri 20 or 30 to 21? Yeah, definitely took four quarters of action. You know, I thought the Georgia offense played really well. I had to settle for a field goal early, and then it seemed like it really hit its groove after that. Really what decided this game was two fourth-quarter interceptions by the Georgia defense. Nazir Stackhouse, a big 320-pound defensive tackle. I still can't get over the catch he made. Very natural-looking interception of Brady Cook. Had a long return, wound up getting uh, called back due to a penalty, but that was huge on a drive where Georgia leads 27-21, and it really felt like Missouri was about to drive down and take the lead back with probably four or five minutes to go in the game. Uh, and then with Georgia you know, leading by nine points, two possessions for uh, Brady Cook throws another interception, kind of a, a must-have ball, just trying to force something, and Javon Bullard intercepts it. Um, you know, I, I would say there there was a little bit of cause for concern going forward out of this game for Georgia uh, when you consider how well Missouri ran the ball. Uh, Cody Schrader averaged 5.1 yards per carry. Seemed like he was able to make a lot of plays. Now, to be fair, we knew how good Missouri's passing offense was, and maybe you could say Georgia decided, look, we'll give them a little bit of running room in uh, exchange for being able to kind of contain their passing game. And they made their plays. Uh, Luther Burden had a 39-yard touchdown catch uh, on the opening drive. Uh, but really, I mean, the, they really did a good job of keeping Missouri contained. A lot of throws out in the out to the perimeter on the sideline. Uh, let them have their moment. Uh, on the whole, you know, I think they understood Missouri was a really good team. Uh, had to allow uh, and, and understand that Missouri was going to make their plays. They just weren't going to let them make more than Georgia did. They had to grind this one out, but that's what, as Kirby Smart said after the game, uh, that's what life in the SEC is like. And anytime you can correct things after a win, uh, you will definitely take that. I feel like there's a lot of different answers for the question that I'm about to ask you, but these two teams were deadlocked at 10 apiece going into the halftime locker room, and then coming out into the third quarter, Missouri actually took the lead to go up 13-10. to 10. What was the the turning point for Georgia in that touchdown drive that led to Kendall Milton on the 15-yard run? What was the the turning point? Was it that drive or maybe the drive after that where Georgia scored to take the lead and they never looked back after that? I'll honestly say, Jacob, it was that drive that Missouri kicked the field goal to take the lead because Missouri went right down very quickly, and you sort of watching it thought, well, they're about to score a touchdown, and and really this is about to be game on. This is about to be a shootout. And Georgia held firm. Third and seven, Missouri, I think they might have been right outside the red zone. Georgia gets a little aggressive and blitzes Tyke Smith. uh, He was out there in the dime package. He comes in and sacks Brady Cook, and they really have no choice but to settle for a field goal. I think for that, that was huge just because the Georgia offense had moved the ball pretty well in that first half, even though they only had 10 points. And that sort of set the stage for the rest of that third quarter. Georgia outscores Missouri 14-3 to in the third quarter. And Georgia's been really, really good this year when it comes to making the most of the third quarter. And we've seen it a few times. The South Carolina game, think about the Auburn game as well, uh, Vanderbilt too. Uh, they have the answers when it comes to the start of the second half. So, as big as those actual touchdown drives were for Georgia, I think holding Missouri to that field goal uh, was really, really big. I think the Georgia offense felt good about their ability to move the ball, and they wound up showing that on the uh, two drives that they had in the third. 
Carson Beck, 21 of 32 for 254 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Lad McConkey had seven catches for nearly 100 yards. It's another game that Georgia did not have Brock Bowers, and yet they still had 30 points on the scoreboard. And I think a bigger, uh, a bigger takeaway from this is the defense that you were just talking about holding that high-flying Missouri offense to just 21 points there in Athens. Right, and you know I think the Georgia secondary especially deserves a lot of credit. They got creative. Kamari Laster is usually playing cornerback. They brought him inside, had him play a lot of star in that game, mainly to cover Luther Burden. Kamari talked about it on Tuesday night and said, yeah, Fran Brown, who's a defensive backs coach for Georgia, said during the week, I want our number three on their number three. And Kamari had trained there a little bit as a freshman a few years ago. They moved him to star. Tyke Smith is usually playing that star position. He was kind of relegated to that dime package, like I said. But it really worked out. I mean, other than that long touchdown catch Burden had in the first quarter, and on that play, Kamari Laster wasn't covering him. He only had two other receptions, and I think those two receptions were for about 14 yards. And then Tyke Smith, again, he went on the field quite as much as usual. Lines up with seven tackles, I think a tackle and a half for loss, the sack that I mentioned. Uh, they really made the most of the moment against a really dangerous Missouri team and got to give credit to that defense and also, you know, coaching staff that we've talked a ton about with Kirby Smart, Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp. Uh, they met the moment against a dangerous offense and did a very good job of keeping them contained. In the game of the year so far for Georgia, they defeat Missouri 30-21 to as we're talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer who joins us every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Uh, no rest, though. No real time to uh, celebrate that win as the Dogs turn around with another big home game in Athens, hosting number nine Ole Miss, Georgia number two in the latest college football playoff rankings that were released last night. Ole Miss is number nine in the SEC West and East crossover is the Rebels and the Dogs. Six o'clock in Athens on ESPN under the lights there in Athens. Jordan, I mean, we could talk about it all we want, but the implications in this game for the SEC and for the college football playoff, I mean, this is as big as it gets. Right, and it's going to be interesting just how Saturday plays out. Georgia could very well take the field already knowing that it is the SEC East champs. They've got to be big Missouri fans earlier in the day. Uh, they are playing Tennessee. If Missouri wins, that will clinch the East for Georgia. But, yeah, I think that uh, Georgia understands what it's walking into here. This is a very good Ole Miss team, uh, 8-1 coming into this game, the only loss to Alabama. You know, I think Georgia understands that uh, there's not a lot of margin for error right now when you look at the big picture, and they're not the type of team that gets focused on where they're ranked in the playoff, but they also do understand there's a lot of really good teams in college football this year. You know, you may take a loss during the regular season, but you're probably going to have a need, have to need a whole lot of help if you're going to wind up making the playoffs. So I think that Georgia sees this as a big opportunity. Kirby Smart has said all the right things this week and has also really implored the crowd to really get loud in this game on Saturday. They want to affect Ole Miss. An Ole Miss team that has honestly dealt with a lot of penalties this year. So Georgia's hoping that they get a chance to pull out all the stops and uh, find a way to beat what I think is a really good Lane Kiffin-led team that tried to improve to 10-0 in the season. 
Yeah, it's another offense that Georgia has to go up against that has the potential to put up a bunch of points in a hurry with Jackson Dart leading the way. 16 touchdowns, four interceptions so far for the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, we know what Lane Kiffin is. He, he's about the most unpredictable guy that there is in college football. So, uh, Jordan, if you had to if you had to pick one or two things, I ask you a similar question each week, but if you had to pick one or two things in this game that could be the difference maker for both teams on both sides of the football for Georgia to get a win um, and keep their undefeated season alive, what is it? And what does it have to be? Well, start with the defense. I think that they've got to contain Quinchon Juckin. Seems like he's really gotten hot in the last few games. He's uh, gotten over 100 yards in three straight games and four out of the last five. Um, again, you know, maybe they decided, well, look, we're better off letting Cody Schrader have his and stopping the passing game. But um, you know, we know Ole Miss is really balanced and dangerous in both ways, but I think you got to contain Judkins and not let him break off some big runs. And looking on the Georgia side, I think they just got to play better on early downs. It really seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of room to run, especially uh, in that game against Missouri. And it really put them in some tough situations. Georgia wound up uh, averaging uh, their third downs needing seven yards to gain, which is not uh, a great ask. Uh, there were five different plays where they – uh, needed nine yards or more uh, on third. Chains a lot easier. Then the other thing is just pretty simple when it comes to big games like this is uh, winning a turnover battle. You know, Georgia did that against Missouri, won it 2-0. Uh, Ole Miss is a team that's really good. I believe they lead the SEC in turnover margin. Uh, you cannot give away possessions against a team of Ole Miss's caliber, and uh, Georgia definitely has to win. A turnover battle in order to have a chance to defend their home turf on Saturday night. Georgia and Ole Miss, two top 10 teams set to do battle in Athens on Saturday night. Jordan, one more before we let you get out of here. What is your latest update on Brock Bowers and what his uh, what his health status is and if he's going to be playing anytime soon for Georgia? What do you have for us? Yeah, late, latest that we have heard is that he has been back running at practice. Uh, Marcus Rosemey Jack Sink kind of let it slip last night. He was like, yeah. Uh, you know, I've heard he's been, you know, he's hit like 19 or 20 miles an hour on the GPS. I don't think that Kirby Smart was probably thrilled that Marcus uh, shared that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it sounds like that he's back running. I think it's going to be a situation where they're going to see how he goes throughout this week and what he looks like. But just based on everything I've heard and what I've heard behind the scenes, I think he will suit up on Saturday. The question is if he is going to play or not. Um, we'll just have to see how he goes through the rest of this week. I think he will be in uniform. Um, I, my prediction is he will play. Now, how much? I wouldn't expect a ton. You know, my guess would be 10 or 15 snaps. But, again, that's really just a prediction on my part. I think he will suit up. It's going to come down to uh, how he is feeling after a week's practice. Yeah, and this is, I mean, it's one of those games, you mentioned it earlier, where Georgia is basically the lock to go to Atlanta. This is a game where you don't, the Georgia Bulldogs don't want to lose it because they'll be a one-loss team still trying to get into the playoff. But, you know, is this a game where they decide to hold off Brock Bowers until it's a game that, I guess, matters more, right? I think that could be a situation. But knowing Georgia and knowing Brock Bowers, he wants to be on the field, and Georgia definitely wants him on the field as well. Georgia taking on Ole Miss this Saturday as Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joins us on the phone lines as he does every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday. We appreciate you and your time each and every week, brother. Let everybody know where they can find you, find all of your great work and what you got coming up. Appreciate that, Jacob. Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. So, yeah, 
rolling out uh, some stories. The preview in the Soul Miss game had a podcast that will come out on Thursday with Inside the Rebels' David Johnson really breaking down this game. So a lot of excitement around this one. I think we are set for a uh, very entertaining game in Sanford Stadium on Saturday night. Looking forward to it, man. I know you'll be there covering it, and you do better than anybody for Georgia. So we appreciate you and, again, your time each week, and we'll talk to you next week talking more basketball and football as Georgia playing in, again, one of the biggest games of the season. Yeah, sounds great, Jake. Thank you so much. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 who joins us every rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. we got to get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up on hour number one here on ESPN 106.7. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. We appreciate Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 giving us his time as he does each and every Wednesday as uh, we are wrapping up the first hour and want to uh, shout out Moe's Original Barbecue on Bent Creek. Uh, They've got an upcoming event, and so we wanted to uh, help them out, spreading the word a little bit. Uh, Moe's Barbecue on Bent Creek on this Friday, November 10th. You can join them for live music by Shackelford Lane Duo uh, starting at 9 p.m. And so Go and check them out. Uh, Moe's Original Barbecue over on Bent Creek starting at 9 p.m. Before that, they'll have $3 Bushwhackers from 4 to 9, so be sure you check that out. And the event is for ages 21 and older. So go check it out on Friday. That is coming up in just a couple of days uh, over at Moe's Original Barbecue on Bent Creek. Well, wrapping up the first hour, we've been talking a lot of Auburn basketball uh, with their uh, season opening loss to the Baylor Bears and lots more to talk about with that. Uh, We'll cover some more of it in hour number two, but here's what's coming up. We're going to have Auburn's head volleyball coach Brent Crouch will join us on the show talking Auburn volleyball as they have the biggest match of the year coming up tonight in Neville Arena as Auburn still ranked in the top 25 on a four-match win streak, and they are hosting number 13 Kentucky inside of Neville Arena tonight, 6.30. Attendance is free. If you're looking for something to do, go support Auburn Volleyball. They're one of the best teams in the country, and head coach Brent Krauts will tell us about it when we come back. Plus, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us in hour number two for Rivalry Wednesday, getting us caught up on all things Alabama athletics. So, don't go anywhere. That's all coming up here on hour number two on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. If you missed any of hour number one, lots of Auburn basketball talk. Don't worry, we got some more of it coming here in hour number two as well. But we talked a lot about that in hour number one uh, with their loss to Baylor last night in the season opener. Also just got off the phone a few minutes ago with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 our uh, Georgia beat writer that joins us every single Wednesday on the show. He is half of our rivalry Wednesday because here in hour number two, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us in about 30 minutes or so. But if you missed any of the first hour and you need to catch up with it, you can find it as a podcast on demand on ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Post a commercial free after each and every show. Coming up here in hour number two, going to talk with Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Like I mentioned, we'll get caught up on everything with the Alabama Crimson Tide. But to start out hour number two, I sat down with Auburn's head volleyball coach Brent Crouch this morning as we talked about a big, big match coming Coming up inside of Neville Arena tonight. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 before a big, big night in Neville Arena tonight. We've got Auburn's head volleyball coach Brent Crouch with us in the studio once again here on ESPN 106.7. Coach, great to see you again. Great to have you back in the studio. And uh, look, I know you're busy, so we appreciate you uh, carving out some time for us here. No, great to be here. War Eagle. Well, uh, let's recap because it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked to you. Uh, Auburn Volleyball, your team, 18-5 and five overall this season, 8-4 and four in conference play. That, that record is really looking good in conference play, and you guys have had some battles down the stretch uh, in the last couple of weeks. Catch our listeners up with what's been happening with your program. You're right. We've had some battles. We've had uh, a bunch of five-setters over the last few weeks. Uh, that started off with a, uh, a home win versus South Carolina. We went five sets, had some players. You know, last time we talked, I was telling you how many players we've had in and out of the lineup with injuries. Right. Uh, we did in that game. We didn't have our libero, Sarah Morton, um, and uh, she missed a few matches from that, from that one on. Uh, but we, we gutted it out. South Carolina is a great team. Uh, then, the, we, then we went on the road, rivalry weekend. Got yeah. uh, a five-setter. Uh, we were actually down 0-2 uh, to Georgia. How, what is that? What's what's that like in the middle of a match? I mean, that's got to be that's got to be brutal and just and daunting almost to look at that when you're down 0-2. Yeah, you know, yes and no. On the one hand, um, I, I knew that we we could, you know, especially when you're ro- on the road, you just it sometimes it just takes a little while to get kind of used to the gym, you yeah. get used to the serving going on. I mean, it, it's like baseball in some ways with the passing and serving you. You got to get used to the pitcher, and then the batter kind of figures it out a little bit as it goes along. And mm-hmm. Georgia's a really good serving team, and uh, with Sarah out, our passing was you know down a little bit, and uh, but we just kind of hung in there. And uh, I mean, this team does not—they don't get rattled. They really don't. Yeah. And uh, being down 0-2, I, I, nobody was stressed out. And then they just picked it up, and you know the next the next one was a little closer. I mean, we won it. I think it was 25-23, but then the set four and set five was not real close, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
Then we got Alabama uh, after that. Uh, yeah. Drove from Georgia to Alabama, beat them in four, got home, and then back on the road to Texas A&M. That one was back and forth, ended up a five-setter again, but uh, mm. cleaned it up, and Sarah was able to play in that match, and she's going to be able to go tonight, so that's good. The Georgia and Alabama matches, that was all the same trip, right? Because it was a mm-hmm. Friday night and then, a, a, I believe, a Sunday night. So uh, that right. was just literally the same trip, like you said. Go straight from Athens to Tuscaloosa, have a day off to, to reset and prepare and play your rival again. Yeah. Um, and, and what is that like? And what was the response from your team to beat both of the rivals in a three-day span and some really, really good matches? Yeah, I mean, everybody, you're always fired up when you're winning on the road in this league. Um, but then, you know, obviously the the, the Alabama <laughs> rivalry That's right, that's right. You know, they have not had a great season in terms of their record. Um, they're down kind of at the bottom of the SEC, but that doesn't mean they're a bad volleyball team. And, and we knew, uh, you know, playing them at their place, if they could beat us, even if they weren't having a great season, that mm-hmm. makes it a great season for them. Right. right? Beating Auburn at home. And yeah. so they, they played fantastic. And uh, it was tight sets. And but you're right. I mean, these are these are long road trips. We left Thursday, drove in, played played Friday night, and then on the road Saturday. Uh, actually, had a great you know fun time doing a little trivia competition with the okay. staff versus okay. the players. Okay. And, uh, you know, they got pretty heated on Saturday night, and then uh, you know kind of got us ready to go on Sunday. Awesome. Well, it, it, just stories like that. It just sounds like, and and every time that we talk, the chemistry. And the, the optimism on this team is just extremely high, which I think leads to what the record is and why you're able to get all of these wins and string get together wins, whether it be in dominant fashion or comeback fashion and on the road. I mean, the chemistry of this team just seems to be at an all-time high. It really is. They just they just love each other. You know, they really do. They play for each other. Um, they support each other. They celebrate with each other. When someone's having a hard time, you know, they're they're helping them out. You know, saying good things. And um, you know, I, I totally agree with you. You know, when the, I love these road trips because you get to spend a little bit more time together, and uh, you see these things like, hey, let's do a game night. That's what they wanted to yeah. do. And so we came up with this there trivia night, and it was just the most intense competition, you know, between everybody. But it was super fun. And uh, that brings out the worst in people sometimes. (laughs) Not not too bad. It was it was it was all in good fun. But uh, yeah, the chemistry is great. And, uh, you know, just a good example of this was Texas A&M. You know, Sarah was trying to come back from this injury. It was really a game time decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally a game time. We're we're an hour out and we're sitting in the locker room, the coaches. And we're like, okay, we we think she's ready. She'd had one and a half practices. Jeez. You know, she's not fully healthy and we're thinking, okay, she hasn't practiced much. We don't want her to get, you know, re-injured. You know, what do we do here? And plus, if we bring her back, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, uh, we just slide her in for one person. It's going to affect probably four different people. Yeah, because you know? had been without her for a, a few matches, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'd move her into one spot. We'd move somebody else over here. There's a whole trickle down of, mm-hmm. of lineup changes. And, uh, but in the end, we decided, you know, we think this is going to be the best lineup to do. So I literally walked on the court, um, is. 30 minutes before the game at that point, they're warming up and I'm giving them the starting lineup. Wow. And uh, some of them played less, you know, than Mm -hmm. they would have liked. And uh, everybody, though, handled it, you know, like a total pro and uh, went out there with a lineup we had not practiced in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, that's one of those decisions that coaches make that are like, man, this could make or break us here. You know, you're hoping it doesn't come back to bite you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but they played great and handled it. And uh, again, just supporting each other with whatever role they needed to play. And that was really cool. Well, within whatever sport, when you're able to to make a change like that or throw something on them or any sort of adversity comes their way and they handle it like your team handles it. That is what, in my opinion, that is what 
shows and proves a good, solid team, and I think a good, solid program as well. And I think that is something that you can build upon, especially coming up with the match tonight in Neville Arena and for postseason play coming up because we all know there's adversity in postseason play just about every time you step out there. Absolutely. I mean, they, they have seen so much adversity with the injuries this year. Uh, on top of the fact that you know we're a ranked team, we don't take any you know nobody takes us lightly anymore. We get the best out of every opponent, right? And uh, when we go on the road, um, you know they're breaking records for crowds. You know there's three thousand people at the Texas A&M game that we went to. I think how does that make this, you feel? It, it's great. You know we're we're must see you know must see matches when we That's go right. to those towns. That's and, right. Uh, you know, it's becoming that way here in Auburn, too, and we're excited about that. Well, a must-see match inside of Neville Arena tonight as Auburn Volleyball taking on top 15-ranked Kentucky. Talking with Auburn's head volleyball coach Brent Crouch here on ESPN 106.7. Kentucky, the number 13-ranked team in the country, top of the SEC, coming to your house. What can you tell us about this Kentucky squad and what makes them so good? They're they're solid. You know, they're, they're number one in the SEC. We're a couple games behind them. Um you know, they have been at the top of the conference for several years now. You know, they're only a couple of years removed from a national championship. Mm-hmm. And some of those players that are, that are on the team were on that team wow. playing. So really, really good team, um, good ball control, you know, really good athletes. Um, but this is the best year that we have had, and it's the best chance we've had to beat them. You know, we get them at home. They've been on the road for a couple matches. They played Friday, Sunday on the road, and now they're coming to us. Mm. So hopefully we can, you know, get them feeling a little tired on their way <laughs> That's in. That's right. Uh, but uh, listen, if we can if we can win the serve-pass battle, um, then we've got a really good shot because we do match up with them physically. We are a big team. We're, we're second in the conference in blocks per set now. So we can... We can slow them down if we can just get them, you know, to pass the ball a little bit off the net and just reduce their options offensively. And then if we can handle their serves, um, you know, we've got a chance. But, uh, I, you know, where they are in the conference and where they're ranked, you know, people would say that's an upset uh, if we beat them. Um, but uh, like I said, best chance we've had in years to, to compete with them. And we, we need a great crowd tonight. And I think we're going to get it. Well, I think in years past, it would be an upset. But I think at this point where what you've done with this program in just a short amount of time and where your team is ranked this year and the wins that they have and the way they've done it, Coach, I don't see this as an upset. I really don't. You, Of course, you got to win, but I don't see it as an upset. It would be a big, huge deal. But I think you should start expecting Auburn to win these types of matches in volleyball. <laughs> don't, I mean, don't you agree? Well, yeah, I do agree. I mean, I, I do. I walk out there feeling like we can beat anybody at any point. Yeah, yeah that was more of the, the the bird's eye view of this, looking at rankings and so on. But right. Yeah, you know, you. It's hard to know what you're going to do until after you do it, right? But there, there is huge belief, you know, that I have in this team. And every single year, they are adding, you know, bigger and bigger wins. The last big one was uh, Florida on the road. They were ninth in the country at the time when we beat them. Huge win. Um, you know, and sweeping them on the road, of course we can beat Kentucky here at home. There's no question about it. Uh, but it would be, you know, I, I would say the, the Florida win was the biggest one in the history of the program at the time this would be the second biggest one or equivalent to that moving forward. And it would be, you know, it's the right time for it to happen. You know, if it doesn't happen tonight, it's going to happen in the next few months Mm -hmm. or it's going to happen next fall because that that is where we are trending. Well, going into this match against Kentucky, to look back just a little bit, you had the sweep at home that you got swept against Missouri. And since then, you've been on a four-game winning streak in those matches that we just talked about, Mm -hmm. up and down, some dominating performances, some comeback performances, a lot of road trips in there, three out of four. What have you seen from from your team over these past couple of weeks that gives you confidence in a game like tonight and then down the stretch in this re- in this regular season? 
you know, we still we we still have great energetic practices, you know, and that's, that's awesome. That's hard to have at this. You know, we've been going for three months now at this point, and uh, you know, we had some of the most energy I've seen on you know the Monday and Tuesday of this week after we had played on the road Sunday, and uh, still a lot of joy in practice. You know, a lot of excitement to keep learning. You know, and mm-hmm. I again, I just think that. That's really hard to maintain at this point in the season when you've gone this long. We are pretty much a lock for the NCAA tournament at this point. Um, and teams can, you know, they can relax and fall asleep a little bit at this point before the tournament starts. And and that has not been the case with us in practice. It hasn't been the case with us in games. And that, that means we're going to get even better, you know, prior to the tournament starting. And uh, who knows where it can go at that point. I think that speaks to the character of the, all the girls on the team. I think it speaks a lot about you as a coach and your entire staff, just to, for everybody to continue to be locked in and focused on something bigger than just making the NCAA tournament, which is a huge, huge deal. But like you said, a lot of teams, okay, we're in, we're good to go. We can kind of just wait it out and see where we fall, where it seems like this team, you and your your squad are focused on on things bigger than just a, a regular season win or making the tournament. I mean, you guys are looking to make a run here. Uh, absolutely. That, that is for sure the uh, the mindset of all the players on the team. And, uh, you know, my, my job, I mean, where I interact with them most is the teaching and learning piece is just try to help the skill development and so on. But, and, you know, I don't I don't think I uh, live in the area of like, hey, I'm a huge motivator, rah, rah guy. You know, this is like <laughs> yeah. that's not how I coach, you know. Yeah. And what but what I do is I recruit players that are like that on their own. And so, you know, while I'm helping them with all the technical stuff and the strategy and the scouting and the support and all of that, I think they've got complete trust in the staff to put them in good positions. And on my side, I have complete trust in them that they'll have incredible confidence and energy and joy when they play Mm -hmm. and absolutely need no rah-rah speeches from me at all. They just come, they want to beat people, you know, and they, they, that's, that's a great start. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and I think they're going to keep racking up these big wins. And a lot of times I feel like when you have those players, they feed off of one another, right? Whether it's in the locker room or on the bus or on the floor, on the bench in a timeout, whatever they feed off each other. Right. It it seems like Yeah. You know, timeouts are a good example. You know, we, we, I don't run in there right away at a timeout. I talk with the staff and, uh, they lead their own timeout for the first 45 seconds. Jordan Sinis gets in there. She's, you know, one of the older leaders on the team. And um, they've got their own little meeting and they're fired up. And then I have to kind of break it up to get in there and give them the last 30 <laughs> seconds of like, this is what we're going to do before we you go gotta out there. You got to fight your way in. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's cool to see. And then the other piece is, uh, you know, last year we only had 12 people on the roster. It was just mm-hmm. where we were in the in the development of the program. That's a small roster. And uh, that means there's a small bench um, and your bench can be not only, you know, great for you when you need them to get on the court, but they can be great for you when they're on the bench, when yeah. they're cheering. And this year we've got 18. Okay. And when you look, you come to a match and you should pay attention to the bench. I mean, they are fired up and uh, they have, they've got some things they do now. <laughs> Our assistant coach, uh, Jack Burton, you know, when we make like a big play, big yeah. giant block straight down, he, he's got this habit where he just kind of does an air punch I love in the air, you know, it. and like the, everybody on the bench has picked that up from him and so now they all do it in unison you know and so it's just they just bring so much energy that's great super cool what that reminds me of is in basketball a lot of times when you watch the ncaa tournament there's always one team that has a bench that goes viral right they're always doing the the all the celebrations on the floor and and just going crazy that's what it sounds like you've got but that's much needed with a bench that has high energy whether you're losing winning whatever the case may be having high energy on the bench is super super key 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it just, again, points to the fact that, you know, whether they're in or out, they're supporting each other. And uh, yeah, they got some great celebrations now. I love it. Occasionally you'll see them do the Cotton Eye Joe or whatever in unison (laughs) during a timeout. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You know, I haven't haven't taught them to do any of this, but that's not part of your your coaching strategy is Cotton Eye Joe. No, but uh, (laughs) they they get into it and uh, it just feeds, you know, feeds the starters that are out there. Yeah, well, you guys are having a lot of fun and you should be on a four game winning streak for Auburn volleyball coming up tonight in Neville Arena. The top ranked in the SEC, Kentucky Wildcats, ranked 13th in the country. Before I get your final thoughts on that match, Coach, why should people come out tonight? You're trying to break an attendance record. It's at home, weeknight, 6.30 is first served there in Neville Arena. Why should people be buying into your program and this team and come to this game tonight for all the reasons we just talked about it and maybe just to watch the bench celebrate if that's what you're into <laughs> yeah. but yeah you got another two hours I'll go through about 50 reasons that's right that's <laughs> right know? well well in, in all honesty I mean this this is a really fun team you're building a massive program here and you're on a roll this is a huge game tonight for Auburn fans yeah. to be a part of it's huge it's 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 huge for the development of the program it's exciting for fans to kind of get in at the ground level you know which is you know what's happened this last year or two is we've built this foundation and now we're now we're going and it's fun to be a part of something to see you know where it started and where it's going and but the level of volleyball is going to be as good as any you're going to see in the country it's going to be really really high with unbelievable athletes it's free it's a raucous you know environment we've got djs you know doing stuff we got we got obby we got the whole deal and uh and then i think probably the most fun thing you know which (laughs) kind of connected to the bench stuff is it is obvious that the girls love playing volleyball and they love competing and they love each other and uh that is just so fun to be around, Mm -hmm. you know, to see it. You can see all the smiles on their faces, you know, and uh, it's just that that part is really special. And I think, uh, I think fans will love that no matter if they don't know anything about volleyball, they're going to know about competing and celebrating and supporting each other. Yeah. That's, that's noticeable in any sport that you're watching. And I think it's noticeable with your volleyball team trying to break an attendance record tonight for Auburn volleyball and Neville arena. Do you have the number off the top of your head? I th- well, if we are, if we're over twenty five hundred, I think that breaks it. Okay. I don't, you know, I, we were twenty three forty five, I think, when we played Florida, and I think that was second mm-hmm. ever. Okay. So if we're getting over twenty five hundred, if we're if we're hitting three thousand, we're for sure breaking it. Yeah, and I don't think there's any reason we can't, you know, do that. I agree. Yeah. I agree, especially yeah. with you know, it is a weeknight, but it's six thirty that gives people mm-hmm. time to get off work, get the kids, get some dinner, and head to Neville yeah. Arena tonight for Auburn volleyball and Kentucky. Go check them out. Final thoughts on Kentucky. What did your team have to? do well to win tonight we got to serve tough we got to serve in and we got to handle their serves and if we do that our offense is awesome and our our blocking is is really really good we can we can slow people down and score on them no better place to be the neville arena tonight watching auburn volleyball take on the kentucky wildcats trying to take down the number one team in the conference and maybe make themselves the number one team auburn head volleyball coach brent crouch thank you so much again for your time man it's great to talk to you thank you war eagle are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. I appreciate Auburn head volleyball coach Brent Crouch stopping by the studio today uh, to talk about Auburn volleyball as they host Kentucky tonight and they are trying to break the all-time attendance record inside of Neville Arena for an Auburn volleyball game. So if you need something to do tonight, it's exciting, it's fun, go check them out. 
Look, Coach Crouch is is a wonderful man, great coach. I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know him over the past couple of years, and I've told this story a couple of times, but I started my broadcasting career calling games at Weagle, the student radio station over at Auburn University, and one of the sports that I started broadcasting was Auburn volleyball. That's the, that is one of the sports that I started doing my first play-by-play and color commentary for. And, man, I could see in this – look, this is back when Auburn Volleyball and, and Coach Crouch had just gotten there. Auburn Volleyball, not only were they not winning matches, they were not winning sets. They were getting swept 3-0 every time they stepped on the floor in the SEC just about. And I could see this team and program getting better. I could see it being built. And I said, I knew that Coach Crouch was going to make this thing good. And here we are, Auburn Volleyball, top 25 in the country, hosting number 13 Kentucky tonight and a big opportunity to get a huge win inside of Neville Arena. So go support those girls. They're doing a fantastic job. Um, and they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. I'll go ahead and tell you. They're a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited. I'll be over there tonight. Uh, so looking forward to that. We appreciate Coach Crouch and his time. I have just a few more minutes before uh, we take a break and get to Austin Hannon of Bama Central, who joins us every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Got a couple of minutes if you want to call in, 334-321-1390. I know we've had some people calling in and we've had some guests on, so I do apologize. But we've been talking a lot of uh, Auburn basketball with their opening night loss to uh, the Baylor Bears last night up in South Dakota. And look, quick takeaways. I got a couple of minutes here. Quick takeaways and initial takeaways and and all of that from this game. Um, Auburn's going to be a really good team. Okay? Auburn, this is going to be a fun team. They're going to win some games this year. They're going to beat some really good teams this year. And this is a team that not only will be in the NCAA tournament, I think if everything comes together, I think this can be a top five seed in the NCAA tournament. They can be a five seed or better in the NCAA tournament. And at that point, you've got a, you've got a shot, right? You have a chance to make a run. With the game last night, Auburn should have won. They had every chance to do it. They were the better team. They played the better game for about 35, 36 minutes. And Auburn should have won this basketball game. But it's not the end of the world that they did not. It's not. I know it hurts. I know it is unfortunate and disappointing to watch Auburn lose. And I know it's disappointing and upsetting to watch how they lost. We saw this last year where Auburn couldn't close out games and they lost some because of it. And it is frustrating to see in the first game of the year that that carried over from last year. But I don't think it truly carried over from a year ago. I don't. I don't believe that. I think this was a game last night where Auburn has some significant talent. They have a lot of new faces. And they are a young team in the aspect of their togetherness, right? There's some experience and some age on this team, but they are they are still extremely raw. And what I mean by that is they've got to give some time to play together. They've got to find ways to win in games like that, in situations like that when they find themselves in them, right? 
this team with this group of guys didn't know how to do that. And I think you can take this game and have a lot of teachable moments if you're Bruce Pearl and this coaching staff to where maybe now this team knows how to lose, right? Or maybe now this team knows, okay, we've got to keep them off the free throw line because that's what they did late. Baylor at the free throw line, you want to talk the biggest differential in the, in the basketball game, just look at the free throw numbers. And Bruce Pearl had a, a great quote in his postgame interview. He said, we made more shots than them. We tied them in three-pointers. Both of them hit 9 of 19 for 47%. That's exciting, and I hope Auburn can keep that up. But here's the biggest problem. Not only did Baylor outscore you by 10 at the free-throw line, they outshot you by 9. 34 shots at the free-throw line. That cannot happen. Auburn has to find ways to defend without fouling and not foul late. Baylor had a guy go off for 28 points and 10 of them are from the free throw line you can't have that in big games against a big good team like the Baylor Bears but Auburn's going to be just fine another team that looked good Alabama in their season opener and we'll talk about that plus Alabama football coming up with Austin Hannon of Bama Central here on the rivalry Wednesday edition of on the line Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And as we do every Wednesday at 3.30, we've got my good friend Austin Hannon from Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama on the phone lines. Austin, great to hear from you, brother, and hope all is well. Yeah, doing great, Jacob. How are you? I'm good, man. It's busy crossover season. You know that with basketball starting up and football still uh, in the home stretch of November. I mean, it's a busy time in Auburn, and I know it's the same way up your way near Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. I mean, when when things get going and basketball and football are are clicking at the same time, it's a busy time, but it's an exciting time. And um, obviously, football takes the forefront until this season ends. And uh, after last weekend's game, the season is very so much alive. So basketball is a secondary sport right now, but I'm excited to get to Lexington this weekend. Yeah, well, I do want to start with basketball since the season just started this week, and then we'll get into the the deeper conversation on the football side of things. Um, Alabama basketball coming into this year, uh, I feel like there's a lot of question marks, and there were a lot of question marks going into the season opener uh, with the guys that they've lost and um, just trying to find who they're going to replace them with. And in a season opener against Moorhead State, I don't know how much you can learn, but I'll tell you one thing, Alabama can score the basketball, Austin. They beat Moorhead State 105-73, to uh, your breakdown from the season opener for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I mean, it's just another year, and it looks like Nate Oakland's going to have another team that's proficient in scoring the basketball, like you said. I mean, um, you know, some guys just, I mean, regardless of sport, if there's something that's just working, you think about just systems, um, and it's just whatever whatever personnel you put in there, and I'm talking football, basketball, anything else, and, and people just, it, they put rosters together. Uh, it, Oates is the example I'm using, and the personnel he puts together, it seems like every year just, it's always just another group that's long, that's athletic, that everybody can – it seems like 
can can guard one to five, can handle the basketball, can shoot the three. Um, and those are the guys that he wants to try to get. And oftentimes it seems like he does if you think about the last few years in this program. So I think Monday night just uh, – there were a lot of questions because even like – Brandon Miller is one thing, right? Noah Clowney's one thing. Those are first-round picks. They're one and done. But some of the guys that had, had been around, like the Noah Gurleys and the Javon Quinterleys and guys like that that had, had been around for a lot of this, are uh, not on the team this year. It, it really is it's a whole new coaching staff, really a whole new roster, you know, aside from a couple of walk-ons and a couple of guys like Mark Sears. Um, and yet it didn't look like there really a, it was a misstep there. I mean, they won the game by over 30 points. Uh, they were favored by, a, I think, 21 and a half uh, when the ball was tipped. So um, in the odds-making world, they took care of business and then some. So I think this is going to be another good basketball team. I mean, just by watching the eye test of one 40-minute basketball game, I mean, we can't, make too many observations and I'm sure over in Auburn they're not making too many observations off the loss. Trying not uh, last to. Night, but, <laughs> but, but you know it, it seems like this team is going to be um, if they can get defense going which Oates talked a lot about after the game uh, a team that can contend for another SEC championship. I mean the star power is there. We saw Grant Nelson for the first time um, in an Alabama uniform and it, it looked obviously coming from a, a group of five team in, in North Dakota State He's seen guys like Moorhead State, and obviously that's not the competition he's going to be facing all year. But based off what I saw Monday night, it looks like he's going to be a guy that can hang uh, with the best players in the SEC. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. That's where I was going next. Grant Nelson in his Alabama debut, 24 points, uh, had a couple of blocks, a steal, an assist, had seven rebounds as well. And the shooting numbers, pretty impressive. Seven of 12 from the floor, two of three or two of four from deep, and eight of eight from the free throw line. Is that something you think with this Alabama offense and the, their play style that they have, Austin? Is that something you think uh, Grant Nelson can do consistently this season? Say that one more time. You broke out for a second. Oh, I'm saying with Grant Nelson and his performance uh, last night, 24 points and the shooting numbers that he had with Alabama's offense and the way that they run it with Nate Oates, is that something you think he can uh, can sustain uh, throughout this season? Absolutely. And it's not like it was just – and before the game last week when we had our first you know press conference with Oates, he kind of said, Grant Nelson is going to be a guy that, you know, if you think about the NBA level, you think of a Nicole Jokic, you think of a Draymond Green, a big that can kind of anchor the offense, that can um, get the ball to other players, that can handle the ball. And it, it's really a, a huge thing to have in college basketball. I mean, because you know, I just listed two NBA players that have, have won NBA championships at the highest level. Uh, and if you can have a player like that that can do that in college, I, I think it makes your team extremely dangerous. And, you know, uh, several times last night, you saw him grab the rebound off the rim and take the length of the floor with the basketball and score it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any kind of limitations to what he's able to do in this offense. And there's a reason that Eric Musselman in Arkansas really did everything and anything they could to bring him to Fayetteville. It just didn't work out for them. And uh, Nate Oates did a great thing by going out and getting him and, and wanting him to play for this program. And if you're Grant Nelson, you look at these last three years and you say, well, Alabama won four SEC championships uh, in that time span. And they have, they're sending guys to the league like Brandon Miller and, uh, you know, Arkansas's obviously got a great thing going on, but if I can play an Oat system and kind of start to get a, a step towards the NBA game while still in college, I think I'm going to do it. And he made that decision, and it's looking like it's going to pay off because, like, I mean, I, I think absolutely this is a guy that could, you know, be a game-breaker in the FTC this year and be a guy uh, that, could, that could get Alabama to another one of those championships. 
Alabama defeats Moorhead State in the season opener 105-73. to And you talk about recruiting and getting guys to Alabama and then trying to get them into the NBA. We saw some news yesterday that uh, Nas Cunningham, the four-star uh, small forward from Southern Cal, he chose Alabama uh, over some big-name schools as well. So Nate Oates continuing to get some big-name recruits coming in for the future. Yeah, I think that kid is, is going to be a star. I mean, uh, I was watching some tape on him. Obviously, we posted this story on our site. I think I saw somewhere that he was, at some point, the number one player in his class. Uh, I mean, six seven can shoot the basketball. I mean, we're just talking about another one of these guys, these Brandon Miller, Grant Nelsons that we were just talking about. A, a big, athletic guy that can shoot the basketball, that can handle the basketball, um, and that, you know, if you get them in the right system and, and make them defend, He's a long guy. He's got he's got a good body, and I think that's exactly what Oates always wants. Is he wants the guys uh, with long arms that can play defense and um, do so many different things in the offense. And early on in his in his tenure at Alabama, he didn't always have those guys. Um, and you saw you know a little bit of the first year, obviously that got canceled towards March. That wasn't a very good basketball team, but he he didn't really put that roster together. And then a couple of years ago, when they kind of had the underwhelming season with Jaden Shackelford kind of as the star player. It wasn't exactly the personnel that Oates wanted. I mean, he had to play a guy like Juwan Gary at the four that was just six foot six, and obviously Shackleford, a very undersized two guard at the time. So um, I think when Oates is when he's able to get the kind of players he wants in his system, we've seen nothing but success in the past. And um, I think that after last year's, you know, another successful season with with guys like Brandon Miller and those guys, he's going to continue. He, he saw that hey. Whatever I'm doing here, kind of recruiting these bigger guys that can dribble the basketball, like Herb Jones and all these other guys that have come through the program the last couple of years, I think I'm going to keep doing that. And right. um, not kind of looks like he might be the next one. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines. He joins us every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Flipping gears over to football, the sport that still uh, runs the South for the next couple of months in Alabama. Um, they they answered, the, they answered the call, or however you want to word it, Austin, in a game last week where uh, they were going up against LSU, the high-flying offense of Jaden Daniels, and, and people were wondering, could Alabama win the big one this year? And they absolutely did. 42-28 over LSU, your takeaways. Yeah, I mean, just another one of these games. Six straight wins over SEC opponents, um, including three that were ranked. You had to go to College Station. I mean, week by week, like, it doesn't really seem like Alabama hasn't lost since that Texas game, but they haven't lost since the Texas game. Like, this team is still just a one-loss team. They're still um, in every position to, to achieve every goal that they want this season, and uh, it starts with the SEC West, and obviously if they win in Lexington this Saturday, um, they will have the SEC West won because of what they did on Saturday night. Um, what a game from Jalen Milrow. I mean, just it seems week by week that this Tommy Reese offense, this Jalen Milrow guy, everything's kind of evolving together, um, and they're just they're opening up new links to their offense that you didn't think they might have had. And wait, but we knew Jalen Milrow could run, so why haven't they been doing it? Then Saturday comes, and... Jalen Miller, that's all he does. He runs. And so uh, I think that they're opening up different things and um, starting to use Jalen Miller the way they have, should probably have been all season. Um, and maybe if you had used this playbook in early September against the Longhorns, you might not have lost that game. Um, obviously, you can't go back and fix that, but we'll have to see, you know, eventually how that loss plays off uh, later in the season with Texas kind of in that same spot that Alabama's in, but obviously has the head to head win. Uh, but a great win. And, and another second half of dominance by Kevin Steele. Um, LSU went in there, scored 28 points in the first, I want to say, 19 minutes of the game, uh, then didn't score, or not 19 minutes, 
the, the whole first half mm-hmm. and then the first drive of that second half, um, LSU put 28 on the board, and then after that never scored again. So um, whatever they're doing in the locker room at halftime during conference play has been working. Um, and, you know, right now, you know, things – I think fans are starting to kind of feel pretty good about this Alabama team. Um, and, you know, they, they've still got a couple games left. they still got the trip to Auburn. Uh, but, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to can Jill and Monroe continue to play like this? Can – um, and can Alabama, you know, continue to defend like we've seen them do recently? It's funny because talking to you last week here on the show and just talking with other people leading into the Alabama LSU game, we know all the implications that were there, and Alabama uh, kept their uh, their SEC West hopes alive in the SEC championship game and, of course, the college football playoff and all of that. But we talked about how a shootout would, and a lot of people said this, a shootout would probably benefit LSU and Jaden Daniels in that offense, but Alabama's defense played hard and, and made the plays when they had to, and of course, Jaden Daniels did get injured there later in the second half, but Alabama was the one doing the scoring late, like you just mentioned, and outscoring them 42-28, to 28, Austin. Yeah, and that's what I had told you last Wednesday, was that I, I obviously respected the LSU offense, and I assumed that they were going to score some points. I mean, I told you that. They're going to have yeah. points. They're going to have yards. They got to 28. Uh, it seems like a lot of LSU people were saying the magic number it was going to probably be around 35 uh, to win the game just because they knew the deficiencies they had on defense. Um, and they kind of, once again, got exposed on defense. And it was really just a, a magical performance from Jalen Milrow. I mean, I went back and, and did a film room, and, it seems like every third and long, like there were so many third and longs. I think Alabama went 11 for 14 on third down. Um, and a lot of them were long situations, third and nine, third and 11. And you didn't see a spy for LSU in any of those instances. And I'm not sure why. Um, and obviously Tommy Reese and Jalen Murrow took advantage of that. And he ended up running for most of the first downs on third and long. So um, they, I don't, I think that LSU watched the film in Alabama this year and said, yeah, I mean, I, I, we've seen other teams kind of get pressure with three or four and, Maybe not need to use a spy because Milrose trying not to run the football as much this year, and then they got the complete opposite uh, game plan on Saturday night that they prepared for, I think, and it ended up turning into a, a Jalen Milrose, you know, running show. So um, I think LSU's offense is still as good as advertised. We'll see if, if Daniels comes back this weekend. I hope he does. Uh, a lot was made, obviously, of that hit that you mentioned, and um, I think a lot of people that are pretty familiar with the sport um, and, and the rules and everything understand that. Maybe, obviously, that play, I think, warranted a flag. But in my opinion, I think a lot of people that were looking for more um, are kind of in that class that people would call, you know, soft football fans that are are seeing and we're seeing in the NFL all the changes going on with hitting the quarterback. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and obviously Dallas Turner's had some instances in his career and you you understand all the background. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah. I I think it was a football hit, man. I really do. I just think it was a football hit. It was hard. It was a hard SEC hit, but I I think it was a football hit. I really do. Yeah, I I think Jay Daniels agrees. He hasn't said anything about, you know, Dallas Turner is the worst, and there was actually a picture of them, you know, kind of talking to each other after the game that I posted on Twitter. So um, I I don't think there's any hard feelings there. Nick Saban and Jalen Milrow both said this week that they thought it was just a good football play, and Saban said, I understand it was a penalty, and so we got to teach him how to maybe hit a little bit lower and not as late. But um, I don't think there was anything dirty there, and I think Jaden Daniels would see the same way. 
Where is the the Alabama fan base right now, Austin? Because you you mentioned they haven't lost. This team hasn't lost since the Texas game, and there's been some some not so pretty wins in there with, uh, of course, South Florida and Arkansas, and and now you get this win over LSU. And looking down the stretch on the road at Kentucky, a, a game that doesn't really look as intimidating as it could have at the beginning of the year, uh, Chattanooga, and then of course here on the road in Auburn. But where to where do Alabama fans sit right now on a confidence level? Have they have they kind of turned the page and said, okay, this team can make a run in Atlanta and possibly make a run at the college football playoff or maybe still having some concerns? Yeah, I think ever since that second half against Tennessee and then obviously this last weekend, they're feeling pretty good because you mentioned that the remaining schedule is not particularly dif- difficult. You know, obviously we know uh, the weird things that can happen on a, on a Thanksgiving Saturday at Jordan-Hare, but That's right. they're going to be favored by double digits in all three of those games. And... Um, when you put that into perspective, you're thinking, okay, they're probably going to win all those games. And if they win all those games, they've got a game against Georgia, more than likely. Obviously, I know that Tennessee's still kind of lingering, depending on what Ole Miss can do this weekend. But um, you, you probably got Georgia and Atlanta on December 2nd. And if you win that, you're back in the college football playoff. And Georgia's probably not. And so then you're looking around and saying, well, I mean, how do we? F- obviously, Georgia's the king right now. So if you're able to take them down, and you go to the playoff with no Georgia in it, which I, I think it's the scenario. I, I don't see a scenario this year where um, two SEC teams get in just with how clustered everything is. So then you're looking around and saying, okay, Ohio State and, okay, Florida State. I, I think Alabama would feel comfortable, and their fans would feel comfortable and confident against a lot of those teams that are still left. So um, I, I think vibes are pretty high here. I, I think they're feeling pretty good. But, um, you know, you still have to take it week by week, and I, I think that's the mentality in the in the program as well. So, um, big game of Kentucky. I mean, you can't just sleepwalk through there. But I mean, they, they're they're obviously a, a still a solid team. Uh, they're go, they're six and three right now. They they beat up on Florida on that home field. So um, they're they're a good home field advantage football team. And I think Alabama has to go in there prepared and and ready to play. Alabama on the road at Kentucky, 11 a.m. on ESPN on Saturday. Did you did I hear you say you're going to make the trip to Lexington? Yes, I will be there on Saturday. Awesome. Well, good for you, man. That'll be a fun trip. Uh, Have a a good trip. Be safe. Uh, We appreciate you uh, taking the time and joining us each and every Wednesday. Austin Hannon of Bama Central for Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. Plug everything you got going on, man, where people can find you and what you got coming up with coverage of football and basketball. Yeah, so I'm actually heading to Lexington. I'm starting my trip to Lexington tonight Okay. uh, after Nick Saban speaks at 6 p.m., Obviously, a, a Nashville, Tennessee native, my parents um, would be pretty upset with me if I made the travel <laughs> up I-65 and didn't stop in Nashville to see them. So I'm staying the night uh, with the parents tonight, and then I'll, I'll complete my trip tomorrow up to Lexington and, and be there all weekend. But uh, you can follow along with all that coverage at BamaCentral.com. And on the Twitter um, X platform, you can follow me at AustinHannon underscore. I'll post all stories and tweet a lot of other different things there as well. So that, that's really the one-stop shop for everything I've got going on. Awesome, man. Again, I appreciate your time. Have a safe trip. Enjoy seeing your parents and covering the game, Alabama and Kentucky. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. You too, Jacob. Awesome. That's Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. Go check him out. He does a wonderful job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide as he joins us every Wednesday for Rivalry Wednesday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. When we come back, we'll talk about some big Auburn basketball edition news as we wrap up and wind it down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. 
Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Big thanks to Jordan Hill of Talks 247 and for Austin Hannon, who we just got off the phone with of Bama Central, for joining us each and every Wednesday during On the Line for Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines really quickly as we wrap it up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390. And Greg, you're on the line. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. Uh, Sorry we missed you last night. Um, yeah, work, work's been kind of crazy around here, man, but it's good to hear from you. you. I got you. So, I know you're talking a little Auburn basketball. Yes, mm-hmm. I thought the game last night, if you look at the stats, pretty much everything's about even outside of the fouls. Auburn had 33 fouls to 22. I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 33 fouls in the game. Those officials were calling a little bit little bit too tight. But other than that, you know, I think Auburn's got a good good uh, future in front of them this this year and uh as you said they got a great commit two good commitments today that signed so uh the future's bright for them but i wanted just to mention i know y'all probably gonna talk a little bit of high school football but we got a big game tomorrow night so yes yes we uh, do I know you, uh, it's gonna be a good one um down here at, the, at least scott academy i'd love for i can't wait to see you out there and i'd like to get as many fans out there as we can of course um you know as you know and some people probably don't know out there uh lee scott football the Warriors are 21 and 1 in the last 22 games that's pretty pretty good record right there yeah it's pretty impressive and uh so I think they got a good chance to you know pull away tomorrow and, and go back to the state championship uh next week down at uh Mm-hmm. So yep, yep. That, state so. semifinals tomorrow over at Judd Scott Field at Lee Scott Academy. Warriors hosting the Fort Dale Eagles. Those two teams played just a couple of weeks ago uh, for the battle of the two seed. And so uh, a big rematch coming in Lee Scott uh, hosting that. Pre-game 6.30 kickoff at 7 over at Judd Scott Field. And you can find that on the radio on Tiger Country 104.5 tomorrow, making a, a radio station change one time for football tomorrow. That's awesome. Thank you, Jacob. Man, do a great job. Uh, Love listening to you. Great guest. And one thing I've never done, I'm going to do tonight. One reason because you have the guest on. I'm going to the Auburn volleyball game tonight. I awesome. Good. That. Good. You need to go. It's going to be exciting. I'll be there. I'll try to find you somewhere in the arena, Greg. Great right, to buddy. hear from you, man. Thanks All so right, much. Man. See you, man. See That's Greg who is joining us and wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Great man. Love love Greg uh, very very much. Everything he's done for me and done for Lee Scott and the quarterback club there uh, for the Red Feather Club. So as we wrap up the uh, Wednesday edition of On the Line, as he said. Uh, Auburn basketball picked up I know they lost last night and again they should have won it's going to be fine they're going to be a good basketball team but they picked up two huge signees today for the future Ja'Kai Howard a four star that was an AAU teammate with Tahad Pettiford who signed today he had already been committed he signed the papers the NLI papers and his teammate, Ja'Kai Howard, who's a four-star, he chose Auburn today as well. Two massive pickups for Bruce Pearl and this team. Recruiting is at an all-time high for the Auburn Tigers in basketball. And hopefully they can put a good season together, and I think they will, to back all of that up. So exciting times around Auburn basketball. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I appreciate you all tuning in. Come back tomorrow, another busy show. Go to Auburn Volleyball tonight. Neville Arena, 630 Auburn and Kentucky. Until tomorrow, 2 to 4 on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.